We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Jowson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, January 30th, 2022. And let's go into the mailbag. Gregory, out of Canton, Ohio, writes... I don't know what it is, dude, but most of the women that I'm meeting online are not up to par, to say the least. The main problem I'm having right now, more so than anything, is that I am meeting more women who seem to like me or want to swipe right on me, and when I meet them, it is a catastrophe. It's always something wrong. There's always strings attached. I don't mean about the relationship. I mean about their situation. You're so right about the character, behavior, and situation deal. I see what you mean now. The correlation is there. I met a lady recently. She was nice. She contacted me first. She wanted to meet within two weeks. We met. After we started talking, found out of all things. One, she's still married. Two, she left her husband from California out here in Ohio. Three, she's living with her aunt. Four, she doesn't have a job. Five, she was telling me about how her car payments past due and her rent is past due. Six, she wants me to help her find a job right here in Ohio, as if I know anybody in her field. Seven, she's talking about having a exclusive commitment. Eight, she's talking about getting married within the next year. Nine, she wants me to pay for her divorce. And 10, which was a really creepy thing, she wanted to move in with me. Now I've only known this woman now for now about three and a half weeks. I'm not subtle with that at all. It doesn't make any sense. I will tell you, she's given up the sex right off the bat so I know what's going on there. But besides that, is this a deal I should even consider? And this is the better deal of all of the rest of the women that have contacted me. And God knows the women that I've contacted, never heard back from them, I got ghosted. And others were telling me either I take them out to dinner first and spend a lot of money on them or else. And of course you have the occasional scammer here and there. It has not been a pleasant experience for me. But do you think I should go with the best of the worst. Just wanting to know. Gregory, Canton, Ohio. Greg, what I will tell you on this, man, is you are in a place where you shouldn't be. You should not be in this situation. You have to remember, reflections of the person's character will lead to the behavior, which will lead to the situation they're in. And when people are like this and they're stumbling backwards in life, 
nine times out of 10, that X factor I talked about, there's more shit in that closet than you can handle. You haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg with what she's already told you. There's a lot of shit underneath that, I'm telling you. And here's the sad part about it. People like these, they wind up fleeing from everything. They flee from responsibility. They flee from rational choices that they make, and a lot of times they will make choices out of desperation. They don't think before they move, they don't think before they live, they damn sure don't think before they love. What you're dealing with here, sir, is a situation where the same thing that she ran away from will happen to you right there in Ohio. And she's probably bad-mouthing California in a situation I don't understand why she would just jump out and do this because some people, I don't know, it's just like, it's like they want to commit suicide in a way on their own lives. And I don't promote, promote suicide at all, but in this case, it seems like what she's doing is she's trying to make it worse for herself. She could have ended that relationship in California, brought her ass to Ohio, and did things the right way. Planned it. And see, these people don't plan. This is the reason why, folks, I tell you about those four question categories. This would apply to the last one. What are your future intentions? What you're looking for is someone who can plan their lives out in some kind of form. What you're dealing with here is a chicken with his head cut off. The only thing she's doing is looking for a place to have the accident because it's going to happen. No matter where she goes, she's going to wind up fucking it up. And the reason for this is because she's used to living this way. She's used to living in crisis mode. And that's the most unattractive thing you could ever do. Now, here's what I will tell you also. This is the kind of person that will go from one bad situation into a worse situation because they don't have any bearing or any kind of uh, observation before they step into something that may be too deep. They live life through happenstance. Oh, I'll date this guy and see what I can do here. I'll go here and see if this would be better. Oh, I'm going to go and take my ass to California to be better. Oh, I'm going to take my ass to Texas to be better. No, I'm going to go to Florida. I've dated a couple of women like that. And I'm going to tell you, I dated more than a couple like that. Here's what I do with them. And it's the reason why I went through so many dates, ladies. So many relationships. I would run across people like this. They wouldn't be married. But... They, their lives would be based on circumstance, situation. And it came from their character, their behavior, and the situation that it put them in. And they were always in crisis mode. Greg, what I'm going to tell you is the only thing you could do is probably wind up having sex with this woman because here's the thing. She's going to move on. And what she's trying to do is to drag you into that bullshit she's living. You don't want to be there. You're stable. You got yourself together. You need to look for a stable woman. Because, see, the problem is this person's always going to be in crisis mode and they're going to always be on the move. Nine times out of ten, women who have problems like this are the ones that contact men first. I'm just going to tell you straight out. Because they panic 
and they become spastic. This is the reason why that's the anomaly. I always tell guys, if a woman contacts you first, more than likely something's wrong with her. There's a situation, there's a behavioral problem, more, more likely than not. Even when they try to come across like they're the boss or like they're going to go in and come in first like they're do- so domineering, there is a problem. That's the reason why they're contacting you first because they know other men will not accept the bullshit. They're looking for somebody to cling on to. You have some men who do this. So, what you have to remember, you're just going to have to go ahead and, and understand that what you're dealing with is not the best and ideal situation. Enjoy it for the moment. Don't expect it long term. All right. Now, here's the problem with situations like that. I've been in multiple situations like Greg has gone through. And this is how it usually goes. They're getting close to you. The relationship is cozy and nice for a few weeks. Then they start telling you the truth about the situation you're about to get into. But they're going to wait until they've kind of reeled you in. They're not going to have sex with you. They're not going to be intimate with you. They're going to do just enough to reel you in. After they've done that, they're going to drop the first shoe. And it's going to be the lighter portion of the situation they're dealing with just to see how you respond. Then the next shoe is going to be a little bit heavier. Then the next one's going to be a little bit heavier. It's just like drops of rain being put on your head. It's a death by a thousand cuts. By the time you get the full picture of the truth, you would have oscillated in that relationship for a while. And your trust as far as that person goes down to zero. Because these breadcrumbs that they're feeding you, it's leading you somewhere that you don't want to go. And what these people will do will try to incorporate you in this bizarre lifestyle of just willy-nilly going wherever, doing whatever. I will tell you, as someone who had to go and be versatile and move around because of my career, I did it with reservations. I hated having to travel for work. I hated having to relocate. Loved what I did, but hated what I had to do in order to deal with my profession. And then I said to myself, you know, Why am I treating myself like this? True enough, I go to different places, travel a lot, but the fact was, why can't I have a profession where I could do it well in one place? 
The grass is never greener on the other side. The grass is just painted with that damn uh, fake dye that they put over it. There are always offsets and consequences for benefits. And then I got to a point where, and this is where I had my epiphany. When I was working in IT, they sent me down to Texas. Job was supposed to be $100,000 a year. And I was supposed to come up with this project. Got there, got the hotel, worked on the project for the first week and a half. As soon as I laid out the schema of how everything was supposed to go, first thing they told me was, you might need to talk to your representative. I talked to her and she told me, she says, they found somebody cheaper from India. And I asked her, I said, so you mean to tell me they used me to lay everything out for the project, but they're going to have someone else implement it? She says, exactly. And so I had to go back to California and she's up there trying to find another assignment for me in Southern Cal. Meanwhile, positions are coming open in Phoenix, Denver. I wasn't going to do all that damn traveling anymore. I was done with it. Because they try to hang out that salary as the incentive, and that's the only incentive. That's good when you're very young. I wasn't going to do that crap anymore. I had done it for a while, and it got old. At some point, folks, you have to value yourself. And many times people forget that they're worth more than the money that they're going for. And they don't think about that. You have people that risk their lives every day for money because they don't have a value on themselves. They value that money and the lifestyle it will bring over their own health and safety. But they don't think of it that way. They love to brag about it. Can't tell you how many strippers I know that used to brag about how much money they were bringing in. And many of them slept with their clients to make a few extra dollars. Some of them are not with us today because they wound up with diseases that killed them. There was this big disease with a little name called AIDS. It took out a lot of them. Because they valued the money more so than anything. And a lot of them were masking the pain of a messed up childhood, messed up marriage, messed up relationship. It's really sad. So we have to learn how to appreciate ourselves more because sometimes we devalue ourselves because we believe the narrative of what someone else has told us about how worthless we are. And we take that to heart 
and we make that part of our self-perception. And that's where we make our mistakes. And we can't do that. Because if you do, it's never going to lead to anything good for you. It will never lead to anything good. There was a lady that I used to work with. They used to treat her husband like shit. He made pretty good money. She made far less than he did. And she used to talk about how awful he was, how stupid he was, you name it. He would come to pick her up from work. You'd always hear them complain in the parking lot. She'd always be cussing at him and fussing. Well, this one particular day, she comes to work. And I mean, she's got Kleenex boxes at her desk and she's just crying. And everybody was thinking that, you know, maybe something had happened to her or happened to her husband. She didn't want to talk about it for about a week and a half. Then finally one day in the break room, she said, he's gone. He left me. The first thing out of her mouth was, that means I gotta move into an apartment. I hate apartments. And then she started talking about all the things that she was gonna lose with the house. She started talking about the car that she has to turn in because it was leased through him. And how she's now gotta go out and buy a car, spend her money to buy a car complaining the whole time. About eight months later, she was driving a Hyundai. One of those Hyundai Elantras, but I mean the old ones from the 80s, 88. She had to move to an apartment on the rough side of L.A. And she kept pushing the boss for a raise. But as she kept doing that, we started noticing that her work, the quality of it, was declining. And then she started that self-loathing thing about the world being against her. Gone were the days where she would sit in the break room and brag about how well she was doing and the vacations and the trips and the money and all of this other stuff they were spending. Those Gucci purses started going away. She started coming to work in blue jeans and polo shirts as opposed to those designer dresses. He got tired of it. He got tired of the entitlement. Sometimes you'll take people for granted and they'll take you for real. Gotta watch how the way you treat people. It can come back to bite you. And you also gotta operate with a plan where you may have to go it alone. 
And sometimes it may be humiliating. You may have to go to a food bank. You may have to go and get a beat up used car for cash just to get to work. Instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to point the finger down line saying those people, at one point it may be you. Just because you have material things don't mean you're wealthy. That just means that you have them. That doesn't mean you're rich. That doesn't mean you're wealthy. If you have not invested in yourself and invested in things, you're poor. Because the one thing you have to remember, you take those things away, you're still the same person without money as you were with it. But if you have not grown... you're running into a problem. See, what it comes down to with folks is this. If you notice a person who legitimately made a lot of money and fell on hard times, guess what they know over the average person who's poor and working? They know how to make money again. The other person only knows how to work. I remember when I went through some financial trials in my life. A lot of people criticized me and they were like, man, if I had that money, I would have done this. I would have I never lost this. I would have never lost that. Well, they speak out of ignorance. They didn't know the situation. They didn't know the complications. So the only thing they could do is talk. And I preferred it that way. There was no need of trying to educate them or prove to them anything. Because, see, if you can do it again, that's what you have to keep in mind. You know how to do it. Just like that old thing about teaching a man how to fish instead of fishing for him. That's what you learn. You have to remember also, usually when somebody's telling you something like uh, a lot of these places where they're telling you to attend my class, attend my seminar. They make money off of you attending the seminar and buying the books and listening to the audio tapes and all of this other stuff. That's where they make the money. That's how they profit off of you. Off of your desire. The same thing that's missing in you when you go and try to appease someone in order to curry favor. Except, more than likely, you don't have to pay them, but you give them, you pay them with your attention. But you also do the same thing when you go to religious practices, when you're contributing to the church. You want to help with the overhead, true enough, but you want to symbolically show the deity that you appreciate him or her. The way I look at it, if God created us, 
well before money. Why do we have to have that representation of it? Who told us we had to? Humans did. A lot of the things we do is based on someone else's opinion. Plain and simple. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's valid. Doesn't have to be written in scripture. How many times have you heard people quote things that were not even in the Bible and stand by it like it like God said it, you know? They do that. They want to have that reassurance. Life is a jaded place. And what you have to do is find other people who can help you along the way as you can help other people. But the thing you have to keep in mind, there are some people that make perpetual mistakes as the situation with Greg. Because that lady's just going into a loop and she's going to wind up 65, 67, 68 years old eating cat food and trying to figure out where she's going to live next. More in a moment, folks. Let's talk about parentification. What is parentification? It's a process in which parents shift responsibility that would usually be the adult's job. They put them on the children's shoulders. Now, there's a difference between chores and duties. See, parents that have chores for their children, they're assigning these kids something that's outside the realm of responsibility for parents. So if they have a gardener, they may cancel the gardening service to have their child to cut the grass. And they'll give them allowance, and it may be, you know, half of what they would normally pay the gardener. But in that way, they're trying to build a work ethic with the child, but in a way that's constructive and healthy. And they gradually put on certain responsibilities on their child. So, for instance, the child may have the chore of taking out the trash, the male child, for instance, and cutting the backyard. And that will be be his task. The rest of the time, he's still a kid. So he doesn't have to take on adult responsibilities for the most part. It's measured. And these parents will gradually allow their kids to do things. They're not going to assign them or overwhelm them. Now, a person using parentification does the opposite. They'll take the oldest daughter, for instance, have her responsible for doing the homework for the kids, have them responsible for washing their clothes, have them responsible for everything that does not pertain to the parent having to do 
or be there physically. So this includes babysitting. This includes washing clothes. This includes everything that's required, doing homework with them, ironing their clothes. Now, this oldest child may also be charged with teaching these kids how to do the same thing that they're doing. So the mother sits back, for instance, and says, I pay the bills, I put food on the table, etc., etc., so therefore I'm entitled to have you guys do these things. Now, initially, this sounds good for the mom. Sometimes dads are in there doing the same thing with their kids. And what it comes down to at this point, they think that they're teaching them personal responsibility. In fact, something else has occurred. They have now fostered the fear of abandonment emotionally within their children. Because a lot of times these kids are not getting love. They're being treated like employees. Now, in some extreme cases that I've seen, the parent had assigned kids in this one particular incident that I read about. She had her children. She had four kids. I sent them to different stores to steal things so that she could fence them on social media. And this is how they were paying some of their bills. Well, one of the kids got caught and disclosed to the authorities how their mother had put them up to this. Now, here's the thing that you have to understand. Some parents don't have boundaries. We have to face that. Some people don't have boundaries or filters because they don't know any better. They may have not been brought up properly. Now, here's the thing. These people that wind up in this bastardized situation will realize that when they get older, they will still be chasing that fear of abandonment, emotional abandonment or exile. Now, why is this? Because it's been established early on through the overwhelming assignment of responsibility. Now, I know there are going to be some people that say, oh, you know, I don't believe that because I did that. I had to go through that and rebel my siblings and take care of them. Well, you may think that's normal, but it's actually not because a lot of you got denied your childhood. You could look at a prime example, Michael Jackson. He lost his childhood throughout his years based on pleasing and appeasing. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. A lot of these kids wind up doing the same thing. And see, they get conditioned in that way of not wanting to fail mom or dad, not wanting to come up short, but not in a healthy way, but in a way where they have a fear of Parents exiling them, parents not loving them, 
that these kids may not receive that love or receive those special touches. So love to them would mean that mom didn't spank them. Love to them could mean mom spoke to them this morning or dad spoke to them. Now, here's the thing. When these people go out in relationships and if they haven't matured emotionally, because see, unfortunately, we have this misconception that just because someone may be older, that they may be more emotionally mature, biggest lie ever told. The problem we have is that some people don't develop, they don't evolve. So, just like they were fearful of losing and being isolated and failure, what they try to do then is they take this into their relationships under the same premise. If I don't do all these things, my partner will leave me. Now, here's the interesting thing. A lot of these people go far beyond what they need to do to retain a relationship. And these folks, unfortunately, usually wind up being used. These are the people that will tell you things such as, I did everything for him and he used me. I always get used by people. And the reason being, and a lot of them don't figure it out, it has to do a lot of times with what you did in your childhood that you brought into your adult life. The uncertainty, the doubt, the fear of that person leaving you. See, what you have to remember in relationships, a passive-aggressive type of punishment is either emotional abandonment or exile. Usually it's emotional abandonment for women and exile for men. What are the differences? With emotional abandonment, the man is usually not around, and therefore the woman, her mind can run in different directions as to why he's not there. Where is he? What is he doing? That kind of thing. Who is he with? Emotional exile, the woman is there, right there in front of him. She could interact with him in the sense of not speaking to him. You heard of the silent treatment, ladies, right? Many of you use that because that's your more, most effective way to protest. So, you may go and make him breakfast and not say a word to him at the table. Hi, honey. You're upset with him. You're not saying a word. Or you're saying they're very mental. You're not sleeping with him. You're right there where he could actually be with you, touch you, and hug you physically. But he can't because you're not ready for that. You're not ready to talk to him about whatever disputes you had. And therefore, he gets frustrated. And he may leave because you're right there. And he could not communicate with you, cannot figure it out with you. Now, this is what men fear, especially when you get to a point where you decide to take it on the road, go to your mother's house and stay there for a few weeks. 
not want to talk to him, not want to take his text, not want to take his voicemail messages. Now, here's the, also the other thing. People will use this leverage not only as punishment, but as a way to control that individual. This is the reason why some of these people that are brought up and these uh, family households they wind up in a situation where they overwork themselves, their partner. Their partner may say, well, you know, you need to get another job because uh, I saw a pair of shoes that I want. Or the guy may say to the woman, you know, honey, we need to go to the Cayman Islands for vacation this year. And you guys are barely making it. See, the one thing that happens here is this. That partner may decide to slack up on their efforts because they have someone that's going to overcompensate to offset their efforts when it comes down to fleezing and a feast. And this is sadly what happens to a lot of people. They go into those kind of relationships with their tap dancing and trying to please that partner. And that partner may not be used to that. And so they take advantage of that individual and start having them do other things. See, the problem is this. The fear of being alone is the catalyst for these people to act the way they do in these relationships. And so, a lot of quote-unquote predators take advantage of these people a lot. So when you find that dutiful individual that's going all the way over the top unnecessarily, there's a good possibility that that person came out of one of those type of households where parentification was really used to its fullest. Now, this is common in the South. It's common in poor households. And they will always give you the premise of, oh, you know, I'm just trying to prepare you for the world. You can still do that. But it's the magnitude. It's the level of responsibility. Some kids can't handle it, and they run away from home because of this. Some people are assigned certain tasks within the family structure that may be unacceptable. Like the woman who's now an adult in her 40s, but back when she was a teenager, she was responsible for her siblings. And when her mother was on a period, her job was to accommodate the mom's boyfriend until she got off. Now, the sad thing was, the mom was that desperate to keep a man. And this young lady used to get spanked with a belt if certain things weren't done when she got home. She shifted all of her domestic responsibilities onto this child. And so this young lady 
grew up broken. The first relationship she got into after she ran away from home was with a very abusive man. Because she had bastardized what she had gone through in her childhood as love. These things happen, folks. This is dysfunction. This is not normal. You know, one of the most humbling things I ever had happen to me. I met this woman. And we're on a date. And we were having a lot of fun. We were watching the sunset over in Santa Monica, watching it go into the ocean. And she told me that I was the first man that didn't try to abuse her or sexually assault her. I thought she was joking. I let her continue to talk. And she told me about her past and her childhood. And I saw that pattern then. I couldn't really understand how she got from A to B on that until... I started really doing this thing with relationships. And then I started realizing, well, there are patterns of behavior that foster this kind of mindset. And she would exactly, she would tell me how the situations would go. Exactly. She would say something to the effect of, it would always start out with her being in a relationship and never saying no. Because she couldn't say no to her mother. She couldn't say no to her mom's boyfriend. And instead of trying to protest and rebel, she tried to comply to her fullest and tried to make her mother proud. The only problem, she would always fall short. And so as long as she fell short, she felt as though she had to do more. Because she wanted the reward and she said her biggest fear was her mother not loving her. That was all of her and the siblings' biggest fear. When she told me about what happened with her with the molestations and everything, she was embarrassed. By that time she was like crying but she had to get it out. She never went to anybody's therapy or anything like that. And she thanked me because I was the first person to ever listen to her. Because guess who never listened to her? Her mother. Guess who never listened to her? Her dad. Nobody listened. The siblings heard what was going on, but they didn't do anything. I see a lot of these people are used to not being able to trust people because the people that they trusted so much were the very people against them. And as she told me some of the things that she had to experience, I was like, wow. It gave me a different perspective on life. Because I thought everyone at one point 
had at least half a shot at life and you find out some people don't some people don't even have a shot now here's the thing a lot of these folks will deny because they don't want to be associated with victimhood because culturally that's a weakness you have others who will relish in the fact that they're a victim because they will be the people to tell you first of all I've been dating so many people and they abuse me I pay car payments, house payments, etc, etc and they abuse me men and women will do this and it won't be just one or two it'll be a long history of this happening so this is something you have to understand you will run across people that had to deal with this particular process. More in a moment. All right, let's see what we have in the mailbag here today. Elizabeth writes the following. I'm really upset with my ex-boyfriend. I'm calling him X now. I haven't told him yet that the shoe has dropped. We've been together for now 12 years. We have two children together. But it's something that I found out today that really cut me to the core. He's been on this job for 15 years. He's been getting all kinds of awards. He's been doing very well for himself. So I thought. They recently did an audit at their company about the qualifications and credentials of employees. When I met him, he told me he had a bachelor's degree from the University of Southern California. I found out through a mutual friend who works in HR that that is not the case. He only graduated from high school. He fabricated everything, job history, and his past education. Apparently, they never checked. And now with this audit, because their company is going to be bought by another one, he's going to lose his job. This mutual friend told me in confidence and told me not to tell my boyfriend. I have the mindset to really let him have it, but I know that that would jeopardize her job. What would you do with this information? Elizabeth, somewhere in California. Elizabeth, I will tell you what I would do. Absolutely nothing, but what I would do is prepare for the worst. He drug you into a relationship for 11 years. You've had children with him. What I'm curious about is whether or not you pursued some of your career endeavors or were they thwarted by the promise of marriage or the promise of uh, <clears throat> a better life? Now, what he's done is not uncommon. This was real big in the 80s. There was a uh, school called the North American University. And there were people paying them money to get a piece of paper to say that they went to college. There were a lot of these schools in California. Central University, 
the list goes on and on and on with these schools. Many of them were not accredited. Some claimed that they were accredited, but was not accredited by a you know, recognized body. Because I still think there are only five accreditation uh, regions in the United States that are legitimately accredited. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. A lot of these folks had good-paying jobs in engineering, aircraft industry, you name it. But when these companies start doing an audit, like it's being done at your company, at your husband's company, a boyfriend's company, sorry, what's happening is they're realizing that these people are not qualified. Now, here's the thing and that they lied. So they have the premise, they have the groundwork, the framework to get rid of. Now here's the thing that he has to concern himself with. They could take him to civil court for fraud. They can do a lot of things to him, but more than likely they'll just fire him. They may even take his retirement, you don't know. But they still have to compensate him for showing up to work. Who knows, they might just decide to keep him. Some companies will do that or retire him early. Hard to say, it's up to whatever they choose to do. But most companies will not allow a per an employee to stay there once when they've been frauded. So what I would recommend to you is to start getting yourself together financially putting your ducks in a row, contact family members, let them know there's a possibility you'll be moving back home if you need to. Get yourself in order, structure it, so that you are not sitting there in crisis mode all the time. See, a person who lives in that mindset, in that space, just like with Greg's uh, situation earlier, That person's going for the now. I'm going forward and I don't give a damn what I have to do to get it. The problem with that mindset is that there are consequences. And those consequences can outweigh the benefit of what you're doing. Now, the worst thing in the world for him to do now is to lose his job. Because I'm sure by now you've established a routine. You have some cyclical debt coming in. And this would jeopardize the lifestyle that you're living. So Elizabeth, you may want to sit down and have a talk with him. Uh, probably get him into a counseling session with a counselor to find out why he thinks something like this is okay. And apparently he didn't tell you. And he'll probably say something like, well, I didn't want to worry you or it was none of your business. He was thinking about himself, not you. This is something for you to really look at and think about before things get out of hand. So now, more than likely, you're going to question everything that has been done with him in the past. Has he been legit with you all the way through? Or is it sporadic legitimacy, where he's legit with you on some things and not on others? You have some people who lie like that in relationships or who omit things. In relationships because they want to make themselves appeal more to you in a better light but in reality what's happening is 
It's like a light switch. They're flipping things on and off. Oh, they need to know this. They don't need to know that. They need to know this. They don't need to know that. You don't have to deal with that BS. You can normalize things. You could have things in a way that really pertain to what you're looking at and what you're doing. But here's the one thing that I would tell you. Do not put yourself any further behind the eight ball than you already are. Because you know hard times are coming. Be prepared for them. Understand what is going on. He's going to be informed of this. What I would do if I were you is to get with that contact so you can get an idea as to when this is going to go down so that when it goes down you already have the information in hand. Let him explain it first. If he lies to you in that explanation hit him with the truth and then get ready to go on and live your life. This is just something I would do as you ask. Not necessarily a biblical scripture that you would have to go by. It's up to you, my dear, to make that choice. But it's messed up because he jeopardized his family and jeopardized his own freedom to tell a lie. And he's not alone. A lot of people do that. Hell, companies I've worked with, I've seen people do that. Uh, they don't need to know them, but they ain't going to check. Yeah, they did check. And they were out. Because just because they get hired, they think they're in. Some companies will hire you first and then do the background check afterwards. During that probation period that people don't really think about, they think they got the job after 90, uh, you know, during 90 days. They could still be doing a background check on you. Find out certain things. When I worked for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, they did that with people. They hired them on, but they did those background checks. They thought they had it made. Then we start seeing the officers come on the floor and escort the person out. You knew then, oh, somebody lied. Somebody said they didn't have a felony. Somebody probably have an outstanding warrant. So, in essence, you have to use your better judgment here. Now, you shouldn't kick yourself because you weren't at fault. He deceived you. That's different. You are the victim. It's when you going, go in knowingly that something's wrong or that he's a liar, these kind of things. Those are the people who don't deserve the empathy because they took the risk. This person exposed you to risk without your knowledge. All right, let's move on here. My name is Sally. I listen to your podcast regularly, and I really love the fact that you do it every day. Keep up the good work. Some of us do get a kick out of you, I tell you. A lot of people don't. I can understand. I've heard some of your emails that you've read. I'm 45 years old. I'm looking for a good man. I'm divorced. 
My kids are grown, almost, but I'm happy about it. Two more years, my daughters will be out of the house and I'll be a free woman, completely free. I almost have my house paid off. I have about five years left on the mortgage. I started very early. I never really had any difficulties, any setbacks, anything that made me bitter. My husband and I divorced and it was amicable. He let me keep the house. He even refinanced the house prior to the divorce. Our names are still on the mortgage as a couple. And we fought like hell in order to keep that. We didn't want them to split that property up. So my husband does have interest in the home, but he says that he will never pursue it. In any case, we're doing well. We're friends. He's been trying to come over every once in a while to get a little nooky. And I have to turn him down because now he's got a new wife. And that's a whole different story. And this is why I'm writing it. She makes it a point to go on my social media and put things on there that are totally not true about me. He's been trying to control her, but she's a firecracker. She and I got into a knockdown drag out one time. I'm not even going to kid you. It was drama in my living room. My husband, I'm sure, enjoyed the situation, seeing two grown-ass women on the floor in the living room fighting and ripping each other's clothes and hair out. I'm sure he got an eyeful. This woman, though, is constantly annoying me, harassing me. But she does just enough not for me to have to call the police. I'm just wondering. A lot of the guys who date me, they would date one time and then they would leave, never come back again. Do you think she might have something to do with that? Sally, South Bend, Indiana. Uh, Sally, it could be the case. I kind of doubt it, but it could be the case. Now, there is probably something going on with you. I will tell you one thing that's gonna make it difficult. You still have teenage daughters at home. That's one of the red flags for guys. As soon as they see a kid, especially if they see a young male kid in your photos, when they're swiping left, they're doing that for a reason. They're swiping left because they're like, oh, I'm not gonna be knocking heads with him. Oh, I'm not gonna have to deal with that because that's money, because girls cost money, uh-uh. That's the way we look at things a lot of times. And so you have some guys that are going to go in and they'll put on the cape and try to save the day. But the majority of us, uh-uh. We're not going to do that. We're not going there. Because it's too much overhead. See, I'm going to tell you something, Sally. The ideal woman that most men want is a woman who is, when I say independent, what I mean by independent ladies is this. You can pay your own bills, that's it. You don't have to own a goddamn company. You don't have to lie and say that you are this or that. 
If you could pay your own bills, that's all men really want. The one thing that we don't want is to go into a crisis or dire situation where you're about ready to be evicted, where you're about ready to lose your car, because you wouldn't want that shit from us. You would not want a man that's at that point. But see, the problem with us men, we have to filter out those women that say one thing and then do another. So they may say that, oh, I can pay my own bills, and then you find out they can't. Or they're trying to look for some status thing. As soon as I hear a woman tell me, talking about, I'm an independent entrepreneur, I'm done with it. I won't even hear that shit. It's been overused too many times. A person that's a business person will tell you exactly what their company is about and what they do. Then that's just going to give you a generic title. Invest the entrepreneur. Because usually, that's a red flag for a poor person that's trying to act like that they're wealthy. That's the way it goes. Yes, we make judgments like that. We're not going to sit there and go through the weeds and find out later on that you have an EBT card and that kind of thing. We ain't got no time for that. Soon as you start talking about you're an investor, entrepreneur, whatever, we're done. We're done. The reason being that work on people that don't know any better. When it comes down to people who've dealt with financial services, They don't have to say what they are. They are what they are. Now, here's the thing too. When we see a woman with children, if they're smaller, some men, especially if they're younger, they're willing to deal with that. When you get in your 40s, you got that 16, 17, 18, 19 year old at the house, they go and they weigh the situation based on how that kid was reared. That has a lot to do with it. That's a major impact. Because if that kid is calling you by your first name, cursing you out, calling you bitch and everything else, that man ain't gonna be around for that. He might be around for the sex, but he ain't gonna be around for the show. Mm-mm. And he's not gonna be an enforcer where he comes in and the new sheriff in town? No, ma'am, not doing it. So Sally, what I would tell you is this. When it comes down to presenting your kids, nothing wrong with that. The guys who avoid you, you may want them more than they want you. You don't need them. Guess what? Because they don't want you. Just like if a man tries to appeal to you and you don't want him, you don't just go and make excuses to be with him, do you? You just say, hell no. 
And then when you're rejected by a guy, would you really try going back for him? There's no need to. He wasn't into you. Why would you be into him? You have more to lose than he does. And that's with anyone that's pursuing someone that don't want them. You have your dignity to lose. Are you really going to do that? That person doesn't want you. That person doesn't want to be associated with you. They don't want to be with you. And you're still laying yourself out there to be used by this individual. Come on, be serious. Be serious. Take your time, my dear. There's no magic bullet for you. You just have to play it by ear. And you don't have any proof that your ex-husband's new woman is messing with your life. Until you have that, I wouldn't start pointing a finger. Take care. Let's continue on. Let's take, for instance, it's a situation where your partner has done something to you that really hurts you. Well, the first thing it's going to do is hit you internally. It's going to really cut deep, right? And at this point, you're trying to figure out why and how. Now, the person's probably lashing out because they feel as though this is the only way to hurt you. Of course, they, that's their best shot. Here's what you do. One of the things you can do, I'll put it that way. You don't match the way they came at you. You know, ladies, when I talk to you about catching your man cheating, and instead of going all off and cussing him out and acting loud and crazy, to ask him those pertinent questions that he would be ashamed to answer. What you're doing at that point is if he's choosing to answer those questions, there's a good possibility he wants to stay in the relationship. If he refuses and leaves, he's not. He's evading. Now, let's go on. You want to keep a measured tone. No need to go and become animated. Because see, the one thing a person hates is someone they can't argue with when the person's arguing by themselves. Makes them look stupid. Another thing, too. You don't have to make any judgment or try to teach them a lesson on this. The lesson is the situation they put themselves in based on their behavior based on the flaws in their character. That's on them. It's not your job. Now, we'll use this particular example with that person cheating on you. 
At this point, they're going to try to make every excuse in the world up. They're going to try to use blame, shame, guilt. They're going to try to figure out a way of throwing it back in your court. The way you prevent that is by asking them questions about the situation or the affair they had. Specific questions. Did he enjoy it? What did she have that I didn't? Now with this question, of course, this is where he's going to let his feelings really come out. And you want that to happen. Because then, instead of crying and sobbing, what you're doing is, you're learning one thing. This person could never be honest with you about their feelings in the first place. So really, would you want to retain a relationship? Now, if they come out and they're contrite, that's different. Where they know they've messed up, they know they've done wrong. But see, you have some people who they might have done wrong and they're trying to justify it. Another thing, they're going to come in with an apology. They're going to come in with an excuse. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. What you want to deal with are the facts. Now, here is the other thing. Your job is not to provide closure. Your job is not to go there and coddle them. You don't have to be mean, but you do have to be firm and assertive. This person was in the wrong. And don't, whatever you do, try to go out and do some destructive behavior in the hopes of hurting him, such as going out there and doing the random cheating. It's not a good thing. Revenge cheating. You go out there and just grab any guy. Or taking intimate pictures of that you might have shared and putting them on the internet of him. Don't do that. Because what that does is lowers your standards. And it takes you out of your boundaries. And it doesn't make you look good going forward because you're going to think that that's okay. You don't have to go through all of that. You don't have to go on social media trying to shame them. If you guys do choose to stay together, the requirement to have access to you is that the two of you go to counseling. And let him know that you will go with them and work with them on this particular infraction. The next infraction, it's over. That's if you only want to stay with them, you want to be with them. Now, in a previous podcast, I've put down some of the things about cheating as far as uh, things you should ask questions and that kind of thing. This will help. And guys, you can use this too as well. Now, one thing to keep in mind, you will find that women will flee quicker 
this method than men will. Men will usually just grin and bear it and take it. A lot of women will just go because they get caught cheating. There's a good likelihood they're not coming back to resume the relationship. But these are the main things that you have to keep in mind though, folks. You want to retain who you are, your character. If this person tries to get into a shouting match and try to lower the standard of the conversation, you don't need to go there. The reason why they're doing that is because they're angry because they got caught. They become very defensive. You just pull back because at that point you're the one with the silent power. That person's trying to justify themselves to you. You're not doing it to them. They may tell you all of these things that's wrong with you and the reason why they did it as a premise for them cheating. That's irrelevant. It was their actions. It had nothing to do with your behavior. It was their actions and their behavior and their character or lack of judgment that did it. Don't let them shift the blame on you. Now, I'm in tactic. I've seen women do this. I've seen men, but I've seen women want to have sex with the guy right after they've gotten caught. Fellas, never, ever, 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 ever do that. Because what she's trying to do is to reaffirm that she's yours. And you have to understand, she gave herself away to someone that didn't really have to work as hard as you did to get her. Ladies, the guys will come back with taking you to dinner, giving you candy, cleaning the house, whatever the hell it is, they'll try to do it. You're not ready to go at that level yet. You have to really think about and assess whether or not the relationship's worth going forward. Guys, same thing with you with the ladies. Now, one thing, a guy is less likely to stay with a woman if she cheated on him. In most cases, the only reason why he would do that is if he has very low self-esteem. And that can also manifest itself in the point of him not being able to afford to leave her because he doesn't have enough resources. You'd be surprised how many people stay together just on that basis. Couples have cheated on each other for years. The husband cheats, so the wife goes and cheats. And then they point their finger at each other for cheating. And then it escalates. They get into another argument. They go to their neutral corners. And they go back to the same people that they cheated with to vent. And the only thing those people are going to do is listen, screw them, and send them back to that boxing ring again. Now, one thing also, STDs. It is not uncommon for a person to cheat 
and never even go through wearing a condom. Talking to that person they're cheating with about an STD. They just want to get busy. And they do and they bring it home. Guys, it is less likely only about 10% of women who are in a relationship or married will take a man back after he's given her an STD. Only about 10%. It's a very small percentage of women because that's a big thing to them. If you get another woman pregnant, less than 3% of women will stay. That's the way it goes. They are very, very strict on that. With a dude, having an affair with a dude, it's about at that same percentage. Depending on which study you look at. Now, when it comes down to another woman with no complications, no STDs, you got about a 25% chance of her not leaving you. When it comes down to a woman cheating on a man with another man, that percentage is about 15% of men who will take you back. If it's another woman, it's a 30% chance that the man will take you back. The only reason is there's a probability that he could see you two together in fact there was one uh, person that wrote me the wife admitted that she had an affair with the woman next door to her the woman next door had lost her husband hadn't had sex in about two years and she made her move the wife fell for it they were together she told her husband what had happened She thought she would get an adverse reaction. The husband didn't mind the idea as long as he could watch. What was interesting about the person that wrote this, which was the wife, was that she had already prepared, called her family, friends and everything, to move because they thought for sure that he was going to kick her out and it was a wrap. It was a done deal. A man could handle that for the most part. There are some men who cannot. The majority cannot because cheating is cheating. It depends on the structure of the relationship and the boundaries that you guys set for the relationship. That's what's vital and that's what's important. The more intact you keep the boundaries in your personal lives and within the relationship, the more stability you're going to have going forward. But if you don't have those, you never know where it'll wind up. You don't know how it will wind up. You don't know what the consequences will be. Take care, folks. It's been a pleasure.
All right, folks, the word toxic is used a lot. We use that to label people. We use that to label things, situations, you name it. And we try to make it like uh, we put the skull and crossbones on something and we want to designate it that way. However, it's interesting how we do that with people that we once loved, isn't it? Now, what I'm going to talk about here has to do with you trying to extricate yourself from a relationship when you love this person, but everything associated with that relationship is actually toxic. Now, first of all, a lot of you may go and change up your whole boundaries and all those things in order to accommodate this person, accommodate the lifestyle, accommodate some of the things that you've been exposed to. You've had to realize that you had to adjust your level of acceptance and participation in order for this to prevail. You may have a certain perception of yourself after this. You may not feel as though you are the proudest person in the world about some of the things you've been exposed to, whether it's drugs, some other lifestyle, but you love this person so much. But loving them is not going to fix your relationship. Therapy may not even fix it. So, you're with this person. And you're figuring out, trying to figure out, rather, a way to get away from them. And a lot of you will just kind of try to get the person to change, but you're wearing yourself out in that process. But now, let's say you finally got the intestinal fortitude to leave. First thing you'd have to do is cut off communication. Hardest thing in the world for most people to do. No matter how bad the relationship is, you love them, but you gotta cut off the communication. The reason why you're doing this, and you're doing this earlier, well before you get to that point of leaving them. I always tell people, if you're going to leave someone, you need to strategize the departure. If it's a nonviolent situation, you can set a date in the future for when that event is going to happen. And by doing so, it gives you an opportunity to start detaching and unraveling that bond. Now, why do a lot of people stay in toxic situations? Trauma bonding. You know that thing where people say that's stupid as hell about, oh yeah, well, you know, the makeup sex is great. Yeah, we argue, we fight, and then we go and have the makeup sex. That's not normal. That's dysfunctional. And these people fight like cats and dogs. Domestic violence cases and all the rest. And they consider that love. No, that's not love. That's a struggle to exist with someone that you really don't like. But you don't come out and say it. Because see, here's the thing. You're going to go and fight for that situation because you're not really fighting for the person in that. You're fighting for the drama, the dynamic of being with that person. And many of you don't realize you're throwing away your lives. 
good time, good feelings, good emotions are being wasted on bad situation and bad people. And when I say bad people, I'm talking about bad, bad situations with individuals who have bad intentions. I'll put it that way. So, what does this mean for you? It leaves you where breaking that communication is going to be hard. And when I say no communications, no text messages, none of that stuff. And you're planning this out usually about 30 to 15 days out if you have time to plan it. If not, a lot of you may have to do it in an emergency basis if there's violence or something of that sort or the threat of violence. And if you're experiencing any kind of domestic violence, call 911. Don't sit there and make excuses for somebody to just beat your ass. Because if you get an ass whooping, you survived it. Next time, you may not be so lucky. You never know what the capacity to kill of a person is. Now, let's go forward. The next thing you'll have to do is start forgiving yourself in that process about the choice you made to be with that person, about the things you participated in. You have to give yourself a pat on the back of, of surviving that situation, but also on trying to put yourself together in the future. What I'm saying is at this point, you made the choice to leave that person. You need to start healing immediately. And the way you start doing that is by forgiving yourself, first of all, for the choice. Because what people like to do is beat themselves up after they made a poor choice in a relationship and getting away from this person. You're going to go through a period of deprogramming from that individual. And that's going to be very difficult to do. Now, the other thing you're going to have to prevent yourself from doing is making up excuses to explain yourself to this person. You've done all the explaining along the way and things didn't work out. So at this point, you don't have to qualify anything for your decision. You don't have to provide closure. That's not your job. Because, see, the thing is, as long as they can sucker you into a dialogue when you're breaking up with them, they still feel as though they have a chance to crawl back into your life. The first thing they're going to try to do is appeal to you emotionally. And usually they want to go and be intimate with you. Because intimacy is your most vulnerable state. You're naked. Your feelings are exposed. You're exposed. And this is what they will try to do. Now it's up to you as to how you're going to deal with that or handle it. Other things you have to look at from this. You have to look at things from the perspective that going forward you have to make an assessment of where you were and where you are now so that you'll know where you're going in the future all the negative aspects of the relationship that you experienced classify those as lessons not as failures because we so closely associate failures with us no 
Those were lessons that were taught to you by that interaction with them in that relationship. Take those lessons and try to improve on what you've learned to better protect you. Now, a lot of times what we love to do is to cherry-pick relationships and only look at the positive side. Don't get in the gaslighting, telling yourself, well, maybe it can work out with us. Because, see, what he's going to try to do, or she's going to try to do, is convince you that you're making a mistake by breaking up with them. That's common. And what you have to understand is the reason why they're doing this is because what they've chosen to do here is to create some sort of doubt within you. And what happens when we doubt ourselves? We doubt our trust. We doubt our decisions. And we, in some cases, find more confidence in others' decision, even when it pertains to our own existence. And this is where some people mess up with breakups and relationships. They give the person even more power than they had before, which really complicates matters. Now, other things. You want to settle things when it comes down to what gifts or things that that person's going to request back. If you have an engagement ring, give it back to them. Don't even fight over it. Give it back to them. It's not yours. You guys didn't get married, so it's not yours. Most states require that the person gives the engagement ring back. The reason why you're doing these things is to eliminate the excuses that they can come back with later to be in your life. Whether it's to carry you to court over an engagement ring or something of that sort. Now, if you have a child involved, you're going to have to get attorneys involved. I would not advise you just to go off and try to do everything yourself through some paralegal because the problem is you don't know how they're going to counter you. You don't know what they're going to go for. It's a whole different ballgame. Consult a professional family counselor attorney before you go into this. I'm telling you. It will save you time, money, and heartache. Because you never know what you'll be facing. Now, other things. The person's going to take you through several phases. And it's most common. Blame, shame, guilt. Let's go through these three phases that they're going to put you through. At first, it's going to be your fault. They're going to blame it on you. On the fact that you are not someone that could be trusted or not someone that's down on the cost. In other words, it's going to be a moral question about your judgment. That's what they're going to use first. Now, they might switch it up and instead take the blame first, but that's highly doubtful. The next thing they're going to do is take the blame and make themselves the victim. Everybody makes mistakes. You're leaving me. It's unjustified the reason why you're leaving me. You never loved me in the first place, etc., etc. So by saying this, they're trying to, of course, trigger something. And then, you should be ashamed. 
We have a child together. We had a life together. And you're ruining it. You're ending everything. I should have never loved you in the first place, etc., etc. Now, that blame leads into guilt, right, doesn't it? Because what they're doing at this point, they're shaming you in a way, begging you in an indirect way to please come back. And this person, of course, will go public with this. They will talk to other people about this. They'll put this on social media to shame you so they can have a consensus to make them feel better, like they're right. And of course, you're going against this wall of uh, controversy. The next is going to be whose fault it was. Now, with guilt, what's going to happen is this. They're going to blame you because they got to have some kind of trigger for you to think you did something wrong. If I had known you were going to be like this, I wouldn't have confided in you like I did. I really loved you and you betrayed me. See, they want to get things like that out first. So when they do, it's a trigger because they know it's hard for you to leave them because you love them. But the situation is toxic. But it's enough to trigger you back to them. And they're pushing all the buttons. So see, at first they're going to try to guilt on you. And then they're going to blame themselves. Maybe you're right. But I can change. Things can be better. But see, you know, I'm a Christian. And unlike you, I give people a second chance. They'll come up with anything in order to get that second chance. It won't happen again. You name it. Now, with shame, they're going to throw it at you, and then they're going to throw it at themselves, but in a different context. They're going to shame you for leaving, not honoring the commitment. In other words, to be less than committed to the relationship. Then they're going to turn that same shame around and say, I should have known better. My friends told me I was making a mistake by being with you. My family told me I made that mistake by being with you. You're toxic. And you see how they turn that around. Now, once they turn that around on that individual, what they have done now, they got them where they're probably trying to doubt their judgment about ending the relationship. And that's what they want you. So they're going to go through all these phases. Then they go through the anchor phase when they can't get what they want. They start name-calling. They may start um, making threats, that kind of thing. Whenever that starts to happen, make sure you report it. Because here is the whole thing. At some point, the relationship is never going to function anyway. And when you call it, as far as ending it, it depends on how much damage has been done to you and to that other party. And you have to go through the process of healing. And what that's going to mean is you're going to have to let go of many things. You're going to have to actually let go.
Don't try to empathize with them. That's not your job. They had all the time in the world to resolve the issue with you, with your assistance as their partner. They chose not to. Now, there's some of you that are weak and you can't see yourself doing this. And so you start explaining to them. And that's what they want you to do. They want you to qualify your departure because they're going to trip you up and make you feel guilty. <clears throat> and when they've done this and they got you stumbling, that's when they're going to take full advantage of you at that point. Because, see, when they have you off balance like that, what they're going to start doing then, they're going to give you incentives, reasons to stay. But they're also going to mask that with guilt to stay. And they're going to try to get a commitment from you. Something that's larger than you can deliver. And the reason why they want to do this in particular is to underscore that they don't want to ever deal with that threat of you leaving again. They may even make you promise that you won't leave. Give you an engagement ring even though you guys have been in a relationship for years. And marriage has been a thing of the past. And then all of a sudden he comes up with an engagement ring and wants to get married in order to make sure that you won't leave him. And again, he could be fearful of exile. It's a lonely place being by yourself in a relationship. But you gotta work on you. So this means that <clears throat> if you take him back or you take her back, you're willing to go through all the hell you went through before again. But it's up to you. The best thing I would recommend, but it's up to you, would be to depart and then start working on you. You don't have to apologize to yourself. You have to forgive yourself. And then you got to start working on you. Educating yourself about what you learned from that relationship. The strengths you developed in that relationship. The standards you need to establish from that relationship. And to move on in a more positive approach to your future and one thing ladies I will tell you guys as well that partner a lot of the stuff is going to be their opinion only thing you're looking for to carry you forward as far as the lesson are facts they may reveal something about yourself that you didn't notice that you kind of had an idea it was like that okay you'll accept that but just because this person has said something to you, you don't have to believe it. Unless it's factual. Unless it's something that you can readily identify that is true, 
Nine times out of ten, nine is not. They say these things in order to hurt you. Calling names, those kind of things. Escalating the situation. Making it far more than it is. Hold a moment, folks. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.